Okay, welcome to episode 63 of the United Pubcast, a special episode on the eve of the Manchester Derby. We're just going to look back at some of our favourite memories over the years, some of the good ones, and there's obviously been a few bad ones in recent years, so I think we'll skip over those, but um, hopefully you enjoy this and something to listen to in the build-up to the Derby on, well, it's Monday morning Sydney time for us, but... um, I think we'll get the important stuff out of the way first, Larry. Have you stocked up on all your toilet paper? Yeah, mate, uh, I have. Um, I can confirm my butthole is about as shiny as looking into a bald man's head when it's polished. No, fantastic, especially with Pep Guardiola on the horizon. I think it's a good metaphor. But, um, yeah, it's crazy. I've seen nice being pulled out at Parramatta, and I'm just making sure that wasn't you. It definitely wasn't me, no. The only time I pull out a knife is when I'm trying to cut branches off grapes um, so there's enough left for my work colleagues. Oh, very kind, very kind. Um, now, as you might be able to hear, we are recording online. Um, we've heard a little bit of feedback from our listeners, which we really appreciate, and I think everyone does appreciate the sort of the podcast sort of environment where you hear a little bit of music and background noise. But um, we are aware that sometimes it can get a little bit loud. So we definitely are, or definitely taking the feedback on board. And we're obviously going to keep it as a pubcast. But um, we just want to make sure we get the quality right. If it's if it's too noisy, if there's cutlery banging, or if it's too too loud of music, we will um, we won't put a podcast out because um, it's not fair on someone setting aside an hour of their time to listen and to not enjoy it. So. Um, we definitely will be back at the pub because I miss, see, uh, miss seeing your face, Larry. Oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. So as we were talking, this is about the Manchester derby. We'll, uh, we'll touch on the actual game itself a little bit, but um, I think more so the history of the derby, etc. And um, I think we'll start it off with a trivia question. So don't answer at the moment if you do know, um, but just something for the listeners to think about throughout the episode. But... Um, just a quick one. Who has scored more goals in the Manchester derby? Wayne Rooney or Sergio Aguero? Do you have any, any idea off the top of your head or you have to think about it? I am fairly confident it's Rooney. Well, we do have Rooney coming up. By the time you're listening to this, Wayne Rooney has played against United against in the FA Cup with derby against United. So, um, yeah, I think quite topical, that one. Um, hopefully, he hasn't scored against United in that game. But we'll definitely be discussing that on next week's podcast we might as well go into everything that is the Manchester derby and just sort of little things like first memories etc but I think we'll also discuss in off air sort of where does the derby rank for you in regards to obviously Liverpool is our big rival and us not being from Manchester that Man City rival maybe doesn't have the same sort of I don't know intensity as it does for someone living in Manchester but it still does feel like a big match but it's, a, it's kind of a weird feeling, I think, being on the other side of the world. No doubt. Um, for me, it's a difficult one between Leeds or Man City in terms of who you put second. Leeds because there's just a pure hatred between the two fan bases. Um, it's been there for years. Um, obviously, we've taken a few key players from them and so forth. Whereas with Manchester City, it's almost been like a, a bit of a pity, a bit of a pity of love, you know, um, the little brother, so to speak. But with their rise and dominance... Um, on and off the pitch, to be honest, uh, regardless of the investigations that they have going on and pending, I think that with them now competing and, in fact, overtaking United at the current moment in time, you have to say that it has to be our second biggest game. For me, Liverpool will always be the number one rival, but Manchester City 
a definitely close second. Where do you think if you had to if you had a golden ball and you're able to choose, where would you rather the Manchester or how would you rather see it? Would you rather what it is now in terms of really competitive and look it isn't, but ideally a sort of top of the table clash and fighting out for trophies, or would you rather go back ten, fifteen years? when City are sort of floundering in sort of maybe the relegation battle or even League 1 or League 2, etc. Like which one do you think? Do you think it's better having the, it as a big match or do, do, would you rather City be sort of little typical City? If I'm being honest, I actually enjoy them fighting at the top with us. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, it's United who have dropped their standards. If we can get back to where we were, that period where Sir Alex was on the way out, um, 11, 12, 12, 13, etc., um, Van Persie's late goal. When you think of those moments, even the 6-1, it, it built up to what it is now. Uh, Pep versus Mourinho. The yeah. derby will be special if we can get back to where we need to be. And then if you have the two Manchester clubs performing well, it's good for Manchester, but it's good for world football. I think it's a little bit the same with Leeds. Like While I've enjoyed seeing Leeds out of the top division for God knows how long, it's been well over a decade now. There is a part of me, as much as I hate them, there is a part of me that wants to see them get promoted because you have that big game. Like, could you imagine next year you having two games against Leeds? Like, I'd much rather that than, you know, United against Bournemouth or United against Brighton, etc. Like, there's nothing there. So I'd mm. rather have those. And there's two games you could potentially lose because in those type of games, anything can happen. But just in terms of excitement and that hatred, it just sort of it builds it so much more rather than just sort of nothing games, which the Premier League, sadly, is... Not full of, or definitely not full of, but there's sort of more and more games like that now where those rivalries are dying a little bit, unfortunately. Well, lucky for you, Leeds are coming second in the championship, so you may just get your wish. Well, they, they blew it last year. Um, it looks like they could potentially blow it again. And look, as much as I want to see them get promoted for that match, I would also love them to blow it again and spend another 10 years in the championship. But um, might as well start. Actually, just one thing we were talking about before we started. Um, I forget why it popped up on social media the other week. I think it might have been a birthday or anniversary or something. But the Dennis Law goal is obviously a big, uh, big moment in Manchester Derby history. But so many, even Man United fans, sort of get drawn into the myth that it was a his backhill goal in in front of the Old Trafford crowd that relegated United in the late 70s. It didn't relegate United. It was... A goal that, even if United had gone on to win the match, even a draw or a win, United were down regardless because of the results in another game. I forget who the other game was against. But um, even if United won that game 15-0, United were going to get relegated. But it's something that City fans use as a stick to beat United with. But I think some United fans even have sort of started to believe the myth when they see that goal pop up on um, Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, funny one. Can you imagine... Um, especially now, like Dennis Law scored, what, 200 and 200 something goals for United. The fact that, can you imagine now if a, a someone who, like imagine Rashford, like you'd imagine, he might not get to Rooney's record, but I imagine he'll get close. Can you imagine someone switching that big between United and City now? Could have been, could have been Paul Pogba. Well. Um, yeah, well, definitely we will get into Paul Pogba in a little bit because... Um... He's obviously got a, quite a famous Manchester Derby uh, moment, which um, probably the most recent moment we can really talk about. But we'll go back to the start for both of us in terms of, in your, in your mind, in sort of your recollection, what's your first memory of the Manchester Derby? Well, for me, I, I lean towards my teenage years. Um, 
So for me, it'd have to be Rooney's overhead goal. Just I remember being, I must have been in, I think I was in year 11 or so. So I was quite young, 16, 17. And I remember just going to school that morning and just, I, I was losing it, giving it to all my mates. Because um, there wasn't a lot of United fans going through school, strangely enough. But um, just, oh, I couldn't believe what he had done. Granted, it was off his shin. <laughs> but um, for me, one of the best goals I've ever seen. Yeah, no, well, we'll definitely discuss that goal at length a little bit later. But for me, and it's not a memory, I don't remember the match, but I remember, I was definitely remember the kit. It's one of my favourite kits, and I definitely remember the images from it. But a game at Main Road where Roy Keane um, scored a late winner, we'll 2 0 down, and Eric Cantona scored a double to um, get us back to 2 2. But then Roy Keane scored up across, I think, it might have been a Dennis Irwin cross um, from the left hand side where Roy Keane sort of tucked it home at the far post. But, um,. Just something about the way he celebrated in that kit away at Man City, which we've discussed at length before. When someone scores a late winner away from home at a rival, um, there's something special about sort of those celebrations, etc. And the photos from that game, um, sort of really iconic, sort of in that red kit away at Man City under the floodlights. Something about a Manchester derby at night. It's just something that adds a little bit more to it. But just some maybe one of my first memories. I was just as I mentioned, Main Road. There, I was speaking to you off air before. I remember when I was younger in England, um, me and my mum had a little bit of a thing we used to do whenever we were travelling. used to do the tours of grounds. Like when we were in London, we'd do like Chelsea, Arsenal, Wembley, etc. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast has um, obviously done the Old Trafford tour. And when you go to Old Trafford, there's big signs and you, you walk through the big sign saying, go here to start your tour. You go through security, you get your tag. It's all very, very professional. But I remember mum said, do you want to do the tour of Man City? And being a kid, I said, yeah, no, let's go. Um, I'd love to see a big football ground because to me, as small as it is for me, little kids, quite a big ground sort of thing, like carpet as grass, etc. So we got the bus across to Main Road and we walked in the main reception area and there was a very little reception area, nothing grand like Old Trafford or anything. And we walked in there and there was these two guys there standing there and we said, excuse me, could we do a tour? And they were both looking at us thinking, what do you, what do you mean to go on a tour? Um, what exactly do you mean? And mum said, you know, could we go on a guided tour where you take us in the change rooms, etc. They looked back, us, back at the both of us with like a completely blank stare and just said, um, look, just go through that door there, just push through that door and just um, go anywhere, but don't go on the pitch. And we literally just walked through the, this door in the reception area and it took us pretty much right at the base of the tunnel and straight out onto the pitch. And, um, yeah, I think that really sticks with me when you have all these comparisons about the size of Man United and the size of Man City. Um, I think that's a very sort of something that sticks out in my mind. Obviously, it's a lot different now with the Etihad Stadium. But, um, yeah, the main road's obviously a famous ground and no one wanted to do a tour of it except um, little old myself and my mum. Amazing that. I mean, I don't obviously I don't want to go too off course, but um, like obviously in the rugby league, I'm a big uh, Canterbury Bulldogs fan, and uh, like you just think of um, Belmore Sports Ground um, and like just those old rugby league, <laughs> those old rugby league fields here. You wouldn't dream of even those old abandoned suburban fields. Um, you know, even those you you can't just walk on at any time. So it's amazing to think like a professional football club in England. Just yeah, by all means, go for it. Well, City at the time weren't in the top division, but yeah, still, I think Man City quite a big club at the time, as much as we poke fun at them. Um, yeah, very interesting. But speaking of Main Road, one of my 
I think one of the earliest memories I have of like visibly remembering a match was Beckham's free kick, I forget, maybe 2001, 2002. Uh, it was when he had the shaved head. And the thing that sticks out, two things. One, it was an unbelievable goal. Go back and YouTube David Beckham at Main Road free kick. Very underrated free kick, very long way out. Um, hit it across the goalkeeper. Very good goal. But the one thing that does stick out for me is it's one of Ferguson's two games that he wasn't present at. I think it was his son's wedding from memory. I think it might have been in South Africa or something. But I remember going into that game, or there's all cameras on the dugout, etc. before the match saying Ferguson's not here. And as a young kid, I was thinking, well, we've lost. Like, who's going to tell the players where to pass? Who's going to pick the players? And it was just, I maybe didn't understand football the way I really should or should understand it now. But, um, yeah, that's something that really sticks out for me, that only Ferguson only ever missed two games. I think one was to scout David De Gea and, obviously, his son's wedding, which was this Manchester derby. Yeah, amazing that. Um, does Do managers miss any games anymore? I think Klopp did it recently, didn't he, for Liverpool? But uh... I think that was... Yeah, he did, but um, that was kind of... If, if you look at the letter of the law, he was supposed to miss it because a lot of games... They said you had to go on a break, but then they rescheduled yeah. Liverpool's game for the match during the break. So, um, yeah, but could you imagine now, like Solskjaer just not being out of game or Mourinho not being out of game? Could you imagine the outroar? Mate, Don Ferguson, he could do what he wanted. Yeah, exactly. He on the right. Now, I think before we move on from Main Road, um, one last thing we need to touch on is the last game at Main Road. It's obviously not a highlight for us, but it's obviously a big highlight for City. Um, Peter Schmeichel obviously played in goals for City that day, and from memory, Solskjaer scored United's goal, but it was a 3-1 win for City. And it was one of those games, I think Gary Neville, um, I think he still talks about it now, had a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll never forget him getting beaten the way he did, just shrugged off the ball. Um, I always forget the, the name of the fellow who scored. Uh, but, yeah, feed the goat, and, um, Sean Goder. <clears throat> Sean Goder. And uh, Nicholas Anelka, funnily enough, played in that game for Manchester City. Man, talk, people call Ibrahimovic um, a bit of a club whore, mate. Uh, Anelka... He was everywhere. Anelka would give him a run for his money. He's yeah. all of United's rivals. All of them. Must have hated us. But, um, well, he definitely repaid the fan. faith in Moscow in 2008. So thank you for that, Nicholas. Um, what else was... Something else about that game, um, Main Road. Yeah, there was something which we discussed it previously. We always seem to have those big moments. I remember the one that really sticks out for me the, the, recently is we played the last ever game at Upton Park. Lost. Last ever game at White Hart Lane, lost. And I just think United's fixtures always sort of fall into that sort of category where it's a, such a big occasion for the opposition. And um, mm. some of those games, like just where Gary Neville had a nightmare, some of those games are just, as I said, just written in the stars. No matter what's going to happen, the result's going to go against you. Well, we now know that uh, Tottenham are out of the FA Cup. We versed them in, a, in what, just over a week. Yeah. That is a game I am dead dreading. Like, you look at it and you're like, oh, gosh, United should win this one. But you're just like, oh, man. It's, it's like just a set up for you typical Mourinho. It. 100%. But um, who knows? We might have Harry Kane by then or at least sign a pre-contract if you hear the latest rumours. And that is a player I would definitely welcome. But, again, that is a podcast for a different day. Now, one of my – we'll quickly move on. But one of my favourite memories, and I feel bad for saying one of my favourite memories because I don't know if it's something you can celebrate. But um, obviously everyone knows the iconic images of it. 
but the Roy Keane tackle on Alfinger Holland, maybe just he sort of knew that his son was going to turn us down in 20 years' time, so he thought he'd get his kick in it when he could. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, what do you make of that tackle? Because it's such a big thing where United fans do kind of that we do celebrate it, but when you also look back, it's um, it's assault. It's it's something that if it happened on the street, you'd go to jail. So where do you sit on it? Because I do celebrate it, but I kind of feel bad for it at the same time. Uh, look, if I think of like, I play the game quite aggressively myself, but I'd never go out and kick someone, um, especially go studs in. Yes, what you're saying is right. If that happens on the street, it's assault. But if a man on the street is wearing football studs, I'd question his footwear. <laughs> Secondly, Roy Keane is just a madman. Like He was such a good footballer, which I hate is almost lost because people just focus on his mad moments, um, the shaved head, the aggression, but he was such a fine footballer. He really was. Um, but that was, I think that's a moment where, and even, and you've read Roy Keane's book. If you've read it, he, he did say, he's like, I wanted to hurt him, but by all means, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't try to break his leg by any means. Um, well, it was a bit of a get square. But. Well, I think that's one of the things Well, obviously he did have history. I remember when Roy Keane, it was actually when Holland played for Leeds. Uh, Roy Keane did his ACL at Hall and came back to him and said, get up, etc. You dive in this and that. And Roy Keane obviously remembered it and said, next time I see him on the pitch, I'm going to go for him. But just what you mentioned earlier, just there in regards to hurting players, there is a big difference from going out to hurt a player and to injure a player. And Roy Keane has admit, openly admitted in pretty much every time someone puts a microphone in front of him, he went out to hurt players. Every single game, his job was to hurt players. But... I don't think you ever went out to injure players, where, and there is a difference. But with this Holland tackle, as much as he says maybe he didn't try to injure him, I think he has. I think as soon as he saw that opportunity, I think he went out to break his leg. Well, he did promote his studs. <laughs> Roy King can say whatever he wants. Um, I think, yeah, I can't disagree with you there. But um, yeah, in saying all that, um, I do love that tackle. Fantastic. So player. do I. Great technique. Now, moving on a couple of years to a topic we discussed a couple of weeks ago um, when we discussed the Munich um, the Munich anniversary in early February, um, the match that fell the, that season on the 50th anniversary. Um, we obviously lost the derby that game. And there's a lot of stories that have come out about how players didn't quite feel right. They didn't quite feel up for it. There was a lot of pressure, etc. Um, just your main recollections of that match? Yeah, it was a strange one. United just never got going. But what does stick out to me is the kits. Um, I love that there was no badge, just numbers. Um, very old school feel. Um, I, I know we've mentioned this before, but um, Michael Carrick, reading his book at the moment, he did. Um, he mentioned that around that game, like Sir Alex was really big on, you know, educating the players around how big of an occasion Munich was. So what he did was um, in the lead up to the game, he brought in. Um, Sir Bobby Chaldon and he got um, Sir Bobby to actually go through the events of that day all over again so if you're putting it in a context this is a man who Mr. Manchester United watched his colleagues and close friends pass away and came back to obviously you know become European champion 10 years later but for him to stand in front of the players recollect the game um, and, and Carrick said it he's just like the emotion was just so big the build up to the game where it almost backfired in what Sir Alex was trying to do. The players just couldn't emotionally get up for it. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those where it's it's quite a shame because it was such a big occasion. Well, not not a shame. It's a, it's a football match, but yeah, just the way they sort of commemorate it very well. The city fans were very respectful before the game. The ones inside the ground, there was obviously that incident outside the ground where someone had obviously rang someone outside the ground and told them the minute silence had started and they then let off the fireworks. But all sort of 70,000 people inside the crowd um, were obviously well respected. But also you look back at the kits, the, the, all the players were numbered 1 to 11. So the players who were numbered over 11, like from memory, I think Nani obviously wore number 17. In that match, I think, don't take my word for it, but I think he wore number 6. Um, the players had no names on the back of the shirt. And as I said, it's, it's something that won't happen now because in terms of sponsorship and just all that hoo-ha. But I think if a sponsor, let's say Adidas, I think it's something that if they did, they would get a lot of good grace from it. Even if they did put some type of sort of advertising on it, and I just think if say it was a white collar, if they put like a little sort of, you'd have to zoom in on a little white sort of embroidered logo on the white collar sort of thing, just so it is an Adidas product, but just have the no actual logos, just the one clear number, etc. I think, um, obviously we're talking about something that's never going to happen, but I think Adidas could do something like that and sort of save a bit of grace because how much do we pay for kits now? And I'm sure they would charge us for the kit, which would probably defeat the purpose. But um, yeah, just a shame because I really do like that kit and it's just a shame that we didn't actually win the match. Yeah, but um, I, I agree with you around the kit. I'd be all over it. <laughs> now, on to the next season or the next couple of seasons is quite sort of... I'd say it's quite iconic. There's so many moments. in. in I think we played them four times in the season. We had four big, four really big moments or three really big moments, I think. It's the season I always remember for the the kit. It was the... Speaking of kits, um, it was the red kit with the black V. Um, which Michael Owen obviously made famous. And we'll start with the Michael Owen goal. Actually, before we get into the goal, we'll touch on the game a little bit because I think the the game, or the goal, sorry, sort of overshadows what a crazy game it was. It was a game where Rooney scored quite early, then Ben Foster went walkabouts and then um, gifted City a goal. And then Darren Fletcher, who, oh God, we could talk about him for a while. Um, Darren Fletcher scored two headers that game. Craig Bellamy scored a wonder strike. And then when it looked like we are going to win 3-2, uh, Rio Ferdinand decided to give City with a third goal. And the emotion, or just the that deflating feeling when Craig Bellamy was running away from Rio Ferdinand, he just, Rio Ferdinand was trying so hard to catch up, he just ran himself out of stride. And um, Bellamy sort of slotted past um, Ben Foster in goals. But after that, was it the 96th minute of injury time? What do you want to talk about first, the... The pass from Giggs or the finish from Owen? The finish from Owen was unbelievably classy. Um, but for me, the highlight is actually Giggs' composure. At the time, it was definitely the goal. But when you actually sit back and um, you see Giggs actually take a moment just to gather his thoughts. He, he takes a deep breath, looks up, he sees Owen's free, and he puts the ball in. There is, there is a small percentage of footballers who would yeah. have the composure in those moments to do that. The fact he actually took the time to take the breath, look up, and give Owen that ball, absolutely brilliant. Because without the ball, you could be you could have the best touch in the world. No one scoring that goal unless you got the composure that Giggs had to give him that. Well, it's yeah, brilliant. One hundred percent on the pass. But you actually look back at the finish. I was watching it the other day. Everything looks so much more in slow motion. It, it might not seem in slow motion when you're watching on the TV, but it is in slow motion. But when you see a sort of zoomed in view of the goal, 
that touch, I forget who the defender might have been, might have been Mika Richards, was so close to Michael Owen. Like that touch, it was like a Berbatov-esque touch. And um, obviously a really good finish um, past Shea Given. But um, everything about that goal, and obviously the emotion of winning a derby 4-3 in the Stratford end. Um, actually, what do you think of Michael Owen? Is he, do you still remember him, sort of remember him fondly for that, or is he still back on Liverpool's bandwagon now for you? Um, look, I don't really like him, if I'm being entirely honest. Um, I thought he's... I thought what he was for, you know, I just thought he was a strange signing. Like, besides that moment, I really didn't, wasn't a big fan. Like, of course, he was a very talented footballer, but we got him well beyond his best. Had terrible hamstrings. He had no pace at that point, which is, it's hilarious because when he broke through, he was rapid. But uh, just strange signing. And, like, for me, he's just always been a Liverpool player. He won the Ballon d'Or with Liverpool. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't accept it, really. Well, I remember that season in the League Cup later, which we're going to touch on the League Cup that season in a sec, but he obviously did his hamstring in the League Cup where he tried to we- uh, tried to rest Wayne Rooney but um, at Wembley against Aston, it was against Aston Villa. Um, Michael Owen tore his hamstring, so they had to sub him off and Wayne Rooney came on to score the winner. But just touching on not so much Michael Owen, but, and there obviously have been a hell of a lot of other players, but we'll touch on sort of the four most recent sort of high-profile players just giving your thoughts there on Michael Owen, but just your thoughts. And each player will maybe vary a little individually, but um, Andy Cole, Peter Schmeichel, Owen Hargreaves and Carlos Tevez all obviously ended up in that, that city. Well, Tevez and Hargreaves obviously went direct, um, which maybe adds to a little bit more bitterness towards them where Andy Cole and Peter Schmeichel obviously ended up, ended up playing that city, but at very different cases as to how and why they ended up there. Just your thoughts on... If the reasoning behind it, and if you're sort of hold any Ill, Ill feeling towards any of them, um, I'm good with everyone except Tevez. Um, and even with Tevez, as mad as this sounds, I have a little bit of sympathy. Um, he wanted to stay at United. Yeah. There was something with Fergie where he didn't want the player, or, or there was a disagreement with his agent. I'm not fully across the, the details that happened there, but for me, it, the issues happened when he held up that rest in peace Fergie sign when um, City yeah. won the won the league. Up until that point, I didn't like him once he left. Obviously, he went to a direct rival, and this is when they were on the rise. Like he was a big signing for them. That almost signaled a. It was almost a signal of intent to say, you know what, I'm going to go to the rivals because you didn't want me. You almost wanted a sticker to Fergie, and um, just with the sign, I just thought it was bang out of order because that's a man who. He brought you to United. Sure, it didn't end the way you would have wanted, but that happens with a lot of players. To hold a sign like that when the man was... He would have been close to his 70s by that stage. I just thought it was a bit poor taste. Yeah, we'll just discuss. And then if it was like an anti-United banner, like a City and then an Arrow, then United, etc. If it was something in Manchester is blue or something, you'd say, okay, fair play, bit of banter. But something about a gravestone and R.I.P. Fergie, there's just, yeah, as you say, just in terms of bad taste, it's just don't do it. Because he definitely knew what he was holding up. He just wasn't holding up a, yeah, a Man City shirt. He knew exactly what it said, as as bad as his English was. He um, definitely knew what he was doing, which I do, I loved him as a player. But yeah, I don't think, and as much as I would have loved him to stay, yeah, I don't have many sort of best wishes for him um if i could say that but um on to the as i said the league cup that season um two-legged semi-final and obviously you remember uh, the league cup semi-final obviously when you go on to win we beat aston villa in the final 
but um, a really dramatic semi-final, which we we lost the first leg. Carlos Tevez scored a penalty, and Gary Neville famously had that photo where he was giving the bird to Carlos Tevez as he was celebrating. But back in the second leg at Old Trafford, obviously Scholes put United ahead, and then Carrick put us 2-0 up. But then um, Carlos Tevez brought it back to 2-1, which was putting the match into extra time. It was 2-2 on aggregate. I don't think away goals counted at, at, the, um, at that stage. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, then it was chance after chance. We just couldn't find a way through. Shea Given was in goal for City. But then I think it was Darren Fletcher from memory whipped in a corner across from the wide area. And Wayne Rooney with, as I said, just looked like a quite a basic header. That any sort of dramatic late winner in front of the Stretford end against Man City or against a rival, it's just a goal that definitely does stick with you in terms of the, the sort of the moment that it was. 100%. Um, and I want to take this moment just to, again, just give credit to Darren Fletcher, just because I know that with modern football fans, I feel like they just forget. Um, maybe because, you know, when you're growing up, Darren Fletcher, when Darren Fletcher was playing, you're really young. But um, I just don't like the lazy comparisons with McTominay. I think for me, while I like McTominay, I think Fletcher was a damn fine footballer. He really was. Um, a better footballer than McTominay, with all due respect. Scored lots of goals. And in fact, we were talking about the Manchester derby where Owen scored the late winner. Fletcher got a double that day. Yeah. He was a good player. I think he's probably... Look, you look at big players like Wayne Rooney, um, Carlos Tevez, Ronaldo at the time, or a little bit before. But when Darren Fletcher was playing, and when Darren Fletcher was in his prime, probably that season, I think, in that 9-10 season or around 10-11, you'd be hard to argue that Darren Fletcher wasn't our most important player at times. Yeah, but when you look back at the 9-10 season, um, Darren Fletcher obviously plays like Rooney, Giggs, Scholes, Ronaldo a little bit before, um, Carlos Tevez when he's obviously at the club. But I think when Darren Fletcher was in his prime, when Darren Fletcher was playing well, it would be hard to argue there was a more important player to United. I can't disagree, you know. Um, Him and Carrick were a good partnership as well. Like, you know, Carrick sat back a bit more. Um, but that was just because Fletcher was able to get forward and play a bit more football. Completely different player to Skulls. Um, probably had a bit more of an engine, not as good on the ball, but he was a really good player for me. I really liked Darren Fletcher. Now, speaking again of that season, another game was the away at the Etihad, and we're obviously in the title race with Chelsea at the time, and Chelsea were always maybe one step ahead. They were obviously chasing City, and it was a nothing game, nil all draw. Written all over it, just no chances of credit for both teams. It was the game was just petering out to a bore draw. But um, Patrice Evra popped up 93rd minute with a sort of it was a weird cross, and not a, I wouldn't call it a floated cross, but just sort of a drilled in, sort of drilled cross in with the laces and Paul Scholes. And as I said, with multiple goals in um, which we've discussed in this podcast, there is something about a late winner in front of the away fans or an, or an away ground. Um, that just sort of sticks with you. That image of Skull sort of jumping up, it's kind of a free header, but the way he directed it into the far corner. And then just that celebration where he runs around the goal and towards the away fans. Again, it's just something that just sticks with you. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> man, you might judge me for this, but there is something for me about short players scoring headers. I just, I love it. I loved it. I know, like, obviously at the time I hated it, but when Messi did it against us, um, Skulls doing it against City. It just looks strange, doesn't it? Like, you just headers are just it's it's a big it's a big player thing. Yeah. So when I, when a little man does it, I, I take extra pride in it. Well, not being actually, a big man he myself. Had, he had quite a technique for heading the ball. He scored quite a few headed goals. Um, and again, I remember one of the players I always look back at 
is um, Tim Cahill, not the Beagle Sky, but it's something about if you can find a little bit of space and about your time and if you can per perfect your timing. Um, I don't think the size really does matter when it comes to sort of finding space in the box, so to speak, if you want yeah, to go back down that yeah, path. That, that was brilliant. <laughs> Um, was there anything else that season? The black V shirt? I'm trying to think. There was, no, not was not from my memory, no. Not for the Manchester Derby sake. Just speaking of their League Cup semi-finals, just, um, just a memory that just popped into my mind there was, obviously it wasn't a semi-final, but it was a League Cup that ended up going on to win under Jose Mourinho. But I think a lot of people forget this one, that one matter scored a winner at the Stratford end in the League Cup that season against Mourinho and Guardiola. So that's just something I just want to talk about and put out there for mine as well for my One Matter fan base. That um, One Matter has also scored in a Manchester derby. So um, you're welcome, everyone. Go and Google it. Very good goal. <laughs> um, now, I'll let you take the stage now. 10-11 um, season. Nani puts us in the lead. And then I think Ed and Dzeko uh, equalises for City. And obviously 1-1 then, I think it was quite late in the season, maybe February, March time, and City were our challengers for the title. And um, Wayne Rooney, the ball comes into Wayne Rooney on the edge of the box and he turned into prime Lukaku and his touch bounced 15 metres off him. But then um, five seconds later, they, um, Nani put a deflected cross in and um, scored a decent little goal. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? Um <laughs> He became he became a swan, just dead set. He put himself in the air. Just one of those goals where, if I just I want to put context into it, because let's build this story up. The fact that this goal was so huge. Wayne Rooney was in contract negotiations, injured, didn't play majority of the first half of the season. Fergie comes out and says he's handed in a transfer request. He's flirting with Manchester City. If you and reports at the time were almost saying this is dead set gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, there's a U-turn. He signs a new deal with United. Goes through a goal-scoring drought. He builds back up. We're fighting for the title after having a terrible away record at the time. And then we go to Manchester City. Nani puts in the cross. Rooney goes upside down. Straight off his shin. Looks up. He can't believe he scored. Runs to the corner and takes it all in. When you build up that story, the fact he was so close to going to City and he took in that moment, like he... Because for me, that's where United won. I know there was obviously the, the goal against Blackburn where, you know, we technically won it. But for me, this was the game where yeah, we, it won us the title. Yeah, no, I can't argue that. And I think it was, well, look, the goal's fantastic. You can't say anything more about the goal. Um, well, albeit it did hit his shin. So it technically wasn't the greatest overhead kick, but... It's everything that surrounded it um, in terms of the story. The Manchester Derby, um, he's obviously linked to City early in the season, title race, etc. Um, I don't think he'd ever scored a goal like that before. Uh, the commentary adds to it. The, it was a quite relatively late goal, I think, maybe 70 or 80th minute sort of thing. And um, yeah, some of those goals and the celebration in front of the City fans is just, as I was saying, we're talking about he's obviously going to go into the Hall of Fame at some stage. Obviously he can't at the moment because he hasn't retired. But if sort of moments went into the Hall of Fame, I think that image of that goal would be sort of the image of the Hall of Fame. I think um, it's just something that every single fan, no matter what club you support, you have that image in your mind when you're thinking of a Manchester derby or, or a Wayne Rooney goal, which um, yeah, is sort of something proud you can definitely look back at with fond memories. 
Now, something that isn't a fond memory, um, again, I'll let you take the stage because I really don't want to talk about it. Um, Man United 1, Manchester City 6. Don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not even sure that actually happened. Yeah, well, I, I definitely, unfortunately, remember it because it was brutal. But it, it wasn't bad in regards to... I remember it... Th- look, we had a man sent off early, and at 3-1 or at 3-0, we got back to 3-1, you think. Look, 10 men, you lose to a good team, the eventual champions, 3-1 at home. Shit happens, that's football. But Ferguson and United obviously went for it, and um, yeah, the rest is history. It backfired big time. For me... Gosh, I hate Mario Balotelli. Seriously. He lets off fireworks in his... That's enough, right? Like, that's where you draw the line. You say, all right, this guy should not be near a football pitch. He should probably be in a prison. He needs education. He needs to be locked away. And he needs to be taught how to behave like a human being. Nonetheless, he's on a football pitch as a millionaire. He scores a goal. Lifts up his shirt. Why always always me? Mate, if someone threw a brick at him at that time, I would have supported it. But... Nonetheless, um, good performance by City. I think for Fergie, it was a moment of slight arrogance and a lack of acceptance of where City were. They were a really strong side. And even going into that season, I did feel they had a stronger team than what we did. When, you know, as it ended up going to the last day of the season, I won't repeat the now iconic um, commentary. But it was a strange game. But you know what? The one highlight, Darren Fletcher's goal was sublime. Yeah, well, it's one of those ones you forget about. But if you look back, and if that was a winner or a game that we did win in, it's a game. It's a goal we'd still be definitely talking about. But now, I think ninety nine percent of fans can't remember that goal because um, you obviously try and put that match out of your memory, which is a shame because yeah, Darren Fletcher, as I said at the time when he was playing well, he was a fantastic player for us. But um, yeah, if you want to go back and Google that goal, just um, skip over the other six goals and watch Darren Fletcher's goal. Um, yeah, okay, that's enough talking about that game. Um, move on. We don't need to touch on the Aguero moment. That's um, for the Manchester City podcast, which I'm assuming doesn't exist. But now they... This is the Eddie had a moment I sometimes forget about. That obviously Skulls had retired. We had a bit of a midfield crisis. Um, Paul Pogba almost at the centre of it without even playing. Um, what's new? But... Um, yeah, I remember watching this match at the casino, and I don't know if we had Twitter at the time or Facebook. I don't know how it was sort of started to filter through, but we were there watching, and just news started to filter through that Paul Scholes was getting off the team bus and that he was playing. And I remember we were going through a sort of a lean time. It was just after the Christmas period. It was an FA Cup match, so it would have been early January. And um, that buzz when you heard that Paul Scholes was back and he was going to be playing, whether it was the right decision or not, I think it ended up being the right decision. Well... Depends what way you looked at it. But in the short term, it was definitely the right decision. That buzz, when you heard he was back and you heard he was playing, I still remember that 100%. Yeah, for sure. Um, he, he wore boots that aren't... Um, I think I think I have nicer boots, if I'm being honest. Well, he spoke about it on the recent United podcast, the official one that they do. He, he was a guest and he had a really good podcast. And he was saying that he couldn't let Nike know that he was back because he didn't have a pair of boots. And he couldn't let Nike know because it would get out. So he went down to his local, it must have been JD or something, local sports shop, to get a pair. And he didn't even get the sort of proper pair. When you're buying a leather pair, there's always a couple of ver- the, the 100% leather and those ones that sort of have a little bit of plastic on them. And um, he got that cheaper version just for the sake of it because um, he didn't want to spend too much while he was waiting for a Nike to send him a proper pair in a week or two. So, um, But I remember when Skulls came on, we were 3-0 up. And I, 
yeah, it would have been against 10 men. Vincent Company got sent off earlier in the match. And it was 3-0 up, and Scholes came on in his first touch. He gave away the ball. City scored. And then Scholes was having an absolute nightmare. City scored a second. And you thought, oh, my God, we're going to give up a 3-0 lead to 10-man City. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that as a fan. Could you imagine what Paul Scholes would have been thinking? He said, what am I doing back on this pitch? Get me off this pitch. <laughs> Why have I come back to this? <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. Thankfully, it did turn out right for him. But <laughs> yeah, not one of his proudest games, I don't uh, But um, on to another memorable moment. Maybe one of the most memorable moments that the Eheady had for me is um, Robin Van Persie in, again, another comeback. We'll 2-0 up, and City came back to get the to equalise 2-2, and it just looked like one of those games where City were going to go on to win 3-2. Um, but I forget who gave away the free kick. We got a free kick on the edge of the box in injury time, and while it did take a deflection, I think we we do look back at a, um, a rather special goal. Even though it was deflected, we still look at it as a special Robin Van Persie winner. Oh, no doubt. I think for me, that was like his announcement to say, I'm a red. And the lead up again to that one was Van Persie was linked with Manchester City. In fact, it was between City or United. That was his choice. Um, he chose the red side and a little he bit scores like the Alexis winner. Sanchez being an Arsenal player and then having a choice of the two Manchester clubs. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Um, I think Van Persie had a happier ending nonetheless. But uh, yeah, great goal for me. I think the celebrations as well in terms of... I've mentioned to you before that one of my favourite kits... A lot of people still don't like it, but I really like the checkered kit. And there was a really good image. And I always say this, but so many of these goals stand out to you individually If uh, with a famous photo. There's a really famous photo where it has the scoreboard saying 3-2. And Robin Van Persie's there with like a blue smoke flare, smoke bomb sort of behind him. And um, yeah, just a really, really iconic image. And... Um, we all remember the Aston Villa goal, and rightly so. That's the one we all remember Van Persie for. But there's something about that Manchester City goal that just does stick out for me. And I think it's that photo where it's sort of a blue background, but this is his bright red image in front where he's celebrating, where he's got 3-2 written behind him. Yeah. Um, look, mate, the next time you invite me over for dinner, by the way, if you want to put that jersey out, we'll have that as the tablecloth. I've got something to wipe my mouth with. Um we can have something nice to, you know, we can recollect about the goal in that season. Be well, nice. You can, you can come over, but you can bring the food. Um, if I'm if I'm sat on the table, you can bring the food. No problem. It's a good deal, mate. Now, speaking of someone who does not need any more food, uh, Louis Van Hal. We'll get into Louis Van Hal, and I think he's he had a mixed uh, mixed uh, Manchester derby relationship. I think, but the big one was the four-two win at Old Trafford, where I think City did take the lead. I think maybe it might have been through Aguero. But um, your two favourite players, um, Ashley Young and Marouane Fellaini, started to steal the show with the first two goals for United. Yeah, if if we have Martial FC, then I think Ashley Young and Marouane Fellaini are reject FC. Um, simply because they were the scapegoats. Maybe scapegoat FC. Which one do you reckon? Um, they were scapegoats. I think, well, I think you look at Fellaini's contribution over the years. He contributed a lot. He contrib- contributed a lot more than other players have. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just I think it's just the style of it, you know. You, you, when you yeah. talk about the midfielders of Manchester United, Bobby Robson, Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick, Roy Keane, Marwan Fellaini, doesn't quite go, does it? But uh, nonetheless, they both had brilliant games. Ashley Young scored a goal. Marwan Fellaini scored off an Ashley Young cross. And uh, I don't think we've won um, a Manchester derby at Old Trafford since. Um, oh, surely we have, have we? No, I'm trying to think. Maybe not. God, who knows? But... um. Well, hopefully the upcoming derby on Monday we will, because that's definitely at Old Trafford. But um, 
Yeah, Mata obviously scored another breakaway goal there, which was discussed before. The breakaway goal a couple of weeks ago against Wolves and a breakaway goal there where he's bearing down on Joe Hart. And oh, just, he's just rapid one. Just tucked away nicely. Oh, the speed on him. I think he broke away from players like free. Vincent Company was there. So um, absolute speed machine is one um, matter. Now, someone who scored the fourth goal, and we'll get in... Actually, we'll get into it a little bit, but Chris Smalling um, obviously has a good record against City, but we'll touch on that after his winner in a few years' time. But Smalling obviously scored the fourth goal in that game. Now, another moment, another Louis van Gaal moment, um, and this is a big one again. I think it comes down to the photo, the photo everyone remembers. But um, the introduction, well, I wouldn't even say the introduction, but um, Marcus Rashford, 1-0 away at the Etihad. Yeah, rumour has it Demichelis is still on the pitch looking for Rashford. Um, he, he's been beaten for pace, and he's still, yeah, he's still there. Well, I, th- I think it was a nutmeg. I think he slipped it through his legs. I, I don't recall. I just remember him going to the floor and I did. <laughs> um, um, but, he definitely did retire. He's re- definitely retired after it. Yeah, and again, like you, you mentioned at the start of the podcast, it, it's just brilliant to see a local lad come through because you can just see how much it means. Yeah. Well, I think Rashford will go on to... I think he scored a few goals in the derby now. That was obviously the iconic one. But um, I think he's one player we can look back at in sort of 10, 15 years and he'll be one of the... Sort of look at look Sergio Aguero. Wayne Rooney obviously had good records against the, um, the opposing club. So hopefully Rashford kicks on and continues that vein of form against City. Now, someone who might not be here to continue his career at United and score goals against City, but obviously scored two important goals um, under Jose Mourinho. Again, 2-0 down and should have been 22-0 down at half-time. But Mourinho got into the sheds and Paul Pogba came out as quite a good footballer for once. Yeah, and his blue hair nonetheless. Linked th- with again, City earlier in the these week. Images, something about these images that just stick in your mind. I would remember it as fondly if he wasn't didn't have the blonde and blue hair. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. Uh, it was, it, uh, he was linked to City earlier the week. Uh, Guardiola made the links. He said, you know, he's been offered to us. And the rumours were coming out. Um, Rayola was already linking Pogba to City. He put out feelers there to see if they were interested. Which is mad, because United would never, ever sell him to, to a direct rival. But nonetheless, uh, that's the sort of game that frustrates you about Pogba. Because you just see him and you're just like, this is what you're capable of. But he just does it far and far. It's far and few in between these sorts of performances, but nonetheless, I, for me, to this day, I think that's his best performance in United. Oh, yeah, show. He, he was unplayable. He, it was one of those games, and people use it as a cliche, but he really did take the game by the scruff of the neck and just said, "Okay, I'm going to win it for United here," and he definitely did. Um, also, Alexis Sanchez stepped up. If it's Pogba's best performance, it was definitely Sanchez's best performance. Sanchez definitely. I remember one of the goals setting him up for. Karim set him. I think he set up um, the yeah. first one, maybe put a cross in for Herrera, and Herrera chested it down. Yeah, maybe put the cross in for Smalling's goal. Nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah did. Yes. well, speaking of Smalling as well, we'll just yeah. be, obviously, we we sort of remember Pogba for that match, but it was Chris Smalling who got the winner, which he doesn't really sort of get um, recognition for. But um, Chris Smalling often turned into Mike Smalling in the Manchester derby. I remember it really changed in Van Hal's first season where he got sent off. And I think we end up getting smashed at the Etihad. I think it might have been four nil or four one. But um, ever ever since that red card, he turned in, and Van Al then called him Mike Smalling. He loved a game against Man City. Obviously, the goal in the four two win, this winner at three um, two, that famous Community Shield where Nani scored that breakaway in the last minute. Um, he yeah. scored a goal in that game. So um, yeah, he loved a game against um, 
Man City and it'll be interesting to see his career when he comes back because obviously Roma are quite happy with how he's developing in, or not developing, how he's performing in Italy. So I think it's an interesting one, Chris Smalling or Mike Smalling, whatever you want to call him. I'll call him Mike because Smalling was an unbelievable defender. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to think, are there any other games? There's been a few in recent years in or in this sort of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer period, but nothing that I think we'll look back on in 10 years with sort of in the same memory which we've gone through some of the other moments. I think there was a win in December where Martial scored the goal uh, where we sort of broke them broke them down on the counter-attack. But again, very good win, but I don't think it's something that's going to stick with us in 15 years' time. Well, why don't we look at the, the game coming up on Monday? Um, obviously a huge game, not a must-win, but in the context of the season, you'd like to see us at least get a point at the very least. Well, I would definitely take a point. I don't care if it's the Old Trafford or the Eddie. I will take a point. Um, considering I've looked at the league table and who's who and who's got a game against who, and I just think if we can get a point and just stay in there, um, I don't want to take zero points and someone near us take three. I'd rather them take three and we sort of stay in touch by taking one. Um, I think it's very important. Whether that happened against the Tottenham game, I'm not sure. But um, both games, I'm just happy to take something from them. Obviously, hope they both we win both games. But um, definitely be happy with a draw in either of those games, I think. I think a draw against City is acceptable. But I think with Spurs and their current injury crisis, you have to go there and win. Um, which, again, easier said than done. But I think in the context of the top four, it's what United should be aiming to do. And I think we have the players and the capability. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. Now, going on to some Facebook comments, just put on Facebook the other day saying favourite Manchester derby moments. And I think we've gone through a lot of these, but we'll read them out. George, who's been on the podcast, is Michael Owen's winner, obviously. Um, I think everyone sort of remembers that as their real iconic moment. Same for Robert, who's been on the podcast, and Owen's winner, Rooney's overhead, and the Van Persie last-minute winner. Um, Josh, who's been on the podcast, loved the Rooney overhead kick game. He was at that game, so um, lucky Josh. He also said, loved the more recent game at Old Trafford 4-2 when Van Hal was in charge. I remember being so hungover that when the steward told me to tie the sh- my shoelaces, I couldn't do it. Pretty much summed up Van Hal as he got spot on again. He, he got it spot on against the big teams. So um, I do remember that period. It was in that game, sort of Liverpool, Tottenham and City. And I thought we are going to go on to win the treble. But um, obviously... Van Hal put an end to that. And also Emma said the one, I think it was an FA Cup match, she said this one that I was at Old Trafford for, thanks to a mate, we were only 1-0 up when Gary Neville was sent off. And I think he got sent off for headbutt in Steve McManaman, which was um, quite a quite a headbutt by old Gary. But I was convinced that for so long, for 10 men, we were finished. But thankfully the boys proved me wrong. I had a very big afternoon and night out after that match. <laughs> Ronaldo might have scored that game from memory. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, some of the memories people have back looking at that. Like there's some moments just discussing there that you just forget about until something sort of rejogs your memory, so a player or a kit or something. But um, it's fun to go back and look at the Manchester derby because um, it, it could sort of go away so quickly. You think, like, we'll all sit here with our fingers crossed saying, let's hope City get relegated to League Two in terms of this current investigation they're under, which is obviously isn't going to happen. But for so, so many years of our childhood, City weren't in the league, so you didn't have that chance to sort of create those memories. Yeah, that's true. Um, here's hoping, look, regardless of what happens, maybe let's hope this band's upheld and finishing fifth will be enough, hey? 
Um, well, I'd, yeah, look, we'll definitely do a podcast related to City's ban because personally, I don't think fifth will be enough, even if they do get the ban. I just, I don't have a good feeling about it. But again, that is a podcast for another day. Now, speaking of another day, we will be reviewing the Manchester derby and obviously um, the FA Cup match against Derby and Wayne Rooney on Monday. Now, Monday is the... What is it? It's a monthly meeting for the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. We're at Club on East at Sutherland. It's a 7.30 start. So we'll be recording a podcast there. So we might have one or two extra people on there and just sort of a bit of a round table. If anyone wants to get there early, send us a message. And um, yeah, very simple. We just slam a phone down on the middle of the table and let loose. Um, hopefully plenty to discuss. Hopefully discussing a win. So if you want to come on the podcast, feel free. Just send us a message. And again, that's at Club on East in Sutherland at 7.30 on Monday. So hopefully see a few of you there. And again, discussing a victory. Two victories, I think. Um, anything else to add, mate? No, mate. I think that's a good way to end it. Hopefully, let's let's hope we can get the win, hey? No, fingers crossed. So again, thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. Hey, hold on, hold on. Wrap Please. up. You asked me a trivia question at the start of this. Oh, podcast. I did. Good man. Good man. Now I'll just go back to Wikipedia and make sure I have the correct answer. But the question Wikipedia. was... Mate, so, yeah, amateur. So, yeah, so I don't know if this is accurate or not, but Wikipedia says so, so let's go with it. The question was, who has scored more goals in the Manchester derby, Sergio Aguero or Wayne Rooney? I'm telling you, it was Wayne Rooney. I'm confident with that one. Well, it has to be. I, I wouldn't do a trivia question which celebrates the Man City um, stat over United. So, yes, it definitely was Wayne Rooney. And I'll put that in there, obviously, with the pending match. By the time you've listened to this, hopefully Wayne Rooney hasn't scored against United for Derby. But, yeah, Wayne Rooney has 11 goals and Sergio Aguero has nine. I'm just looking Ooh. for any asterisks that says this is only Premier League goals or something. But I don't know. Let's go with it. The next United player is Sir Bobby Charlton on nine. There's a few City players sitting in there on ten. So um, Eric Cantona is there on eight as well. Mm. So, um, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, for Larry, for reminding me about the trivia. And um, hopefully I see a few of you there on Monday night at the Man United Supporters Club meeting. So we'll chat to you on Monday. Cheers. Cheers.